folks, welcome back to the Clemson Podcast. It is Thursday, August 5th. It is Thursday, August 6th. Who cares? It's still 2020 and that's all that matters. Um, life is not as bad for us as it is for a lot of people there across the country and the world, but you know what? Could be better. Uh, ben and Cody here with you today. We're back with our second episode here. Looking forward to the 2020 season, whether or not that gets played still remains to be seen. But while there's still the um, prospect of doing so, we're going to be here to talk about it. So uh, fall camp started today. Uh, the ACC released their full schedule with dates. And we've known the teams now for several days now, but at least there's some movement forward on that front. So trying to temper our expectations somewhat and our excitement, just not knowing where this thing's going to go. But, you know, it is it's fun to, to see the stuff come out here and get somewhat excited about a college football season. Cody, how you doing, man? I'm going to start you off with an easy one. Uh, name the starting offensive line for the Tigers. Wow. I'm, well, first, I'm good. I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm as good as you can be. I don't really have a good sense of what, time of the what time of year it is it doesn't quite feel like the first practice of the year like we, we that's usually one of the most exciting episodes i feel like that we have and we've yeah, done it, it for the last four years it feels like march still which is when we put mm. the world on pause yeah. yeah i'm still waiting for the spring game right right so it, to think that hey we're we're gonna do this it just it i'm, I'm having a hard time conjuring up that excitement but when, the moment I see Trevor Lawrence and those beautiful golden locks, um, and and maybe Etienne, then I'm gonna I'm gonna be there. But right now, um, just just getting there slowly. Um, and then what was the what was the softball question again? Uh, the starting offensive line for the Tigers this year. Okay, left or right? Jackson Carmen, left tackle, uh, left guard will be. Uh, wow, it's already it's already starting to fade. Um, Dude, that, that's an easy one. Yeah, I, I can picture the guy. He's he's um, an Ohioan. Yes. Uh, Matt Bockhorst. Okay. There, there you go. And then uh, center, Kate Stewart. Yep. 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 Darn right guard. We're gonna come back to that one. Okay, and then right tackle. Okay, that's gonna be the hole in the line this year. So. <laughs> Might as well skip it. Who's our right tackle? Uh, that should be an easy one, man. He is a sophomore. He showed out last year as a freshman. He looked really good at times. Um, Jordan McFadden. There you go, bud. All right, yeah. now let's go back to right guard. Uh, I'll give you this. I'll give you a hint. On the depth chart leading into the spring, um, or to the, to the fall, whatever this time of year is now, um, it's two guys listed as co-starters. Uh, one's a true sophomore. One is a... Uh, he's got two asterisks by a sophomore, so I think he's in his third year. I'm looking at rosters on TNET. All right, well, I'm going to give it to you. Uh, Blake Benson, which you should have known him. I met him. Uh, I've, had a, I've had a beer with him before. Uh, well, there you go. Or Will Putnam. Will Putnam, of course. Of course. That's who we're hoping that will be, that will emerge as a starter. Yeah, but, but Vincent yeah. is a, um, he's a veteran guy. Um, you know, six, four, 300 pounds, got the body. Let's see what happens. Right. Um, you know, we got Trevor and ETN, so who needs an offensive line? Anyway? I, I suppose. I mean, you, who, let me ask you this, who is the number three offensive tackle on this team? And that, that's, that's a hard one because there's not a lot of depth. The number three. Ooh. 
Next man up. Mitchell Mays. He's a true freshman. They're all true freshmen. So you got Mitchell Mays, Walker Parks, true freshman at left tackle. And then you got uh, Paul Ticcio and John Williams at right tackle. So I'm guessing one of the guards are going to move over. Yeah, well, Vincent's played a little bit of tackle. And then Walker Parks, uh, he quietly became like a top 50 player, uh, fringe top, uh, fringe five-star player late in his high school career. So they're hoping for big things out of him. Yeah, the problem is, man, freshman, it's hard to crack um, the lineup as a true freshman, no matter how good you are. Um, you know, coming in as a freshman on the offensive line and a lot of these early enrollees, they didn't get much of a spring practice or a spring game, right? Yeah, yeah, fair enough. But, I, I mean, you got to say the bar's kind of low based off of the other guys that, that, are, that are going to be converted from guard, really. Well, not a lot of talk about it, but, again, something to, 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 to pay attention to this year is that uh, we don't have a veteran offensive line. We're not quite as deep as we were um, in years past, although the talent across the board um, is better as the recruiting deposition has gotten a lot better over the years, uh, past few years. But uh, anyways, we're talking about the offensive line here. Cody, how have you been? How have you managed um, COVID? How has life been for you out there in the suburbs? Uh, you're about to get married. You've never been known to have good timing. You're about to get married on September 4th back in Greenville. Uh, how's all that going for you? Yeah, let me, I mean, I would say if you're thinking about getting married, don't do it now. And uh, yeah, don't quarantine with your, with your lady too, right before it, because she might have second thoughts if you're, if you're prone to being a slob. So uh, second it's not, thoughts it's, about the wedding because of COVID or second thoughts about you. I, I mean, I have to think it's both. Yeah. Pretty sure. That's, I'd put my money on that. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, some might say don't ever get married. <laughs> <laughs> you might be looking at one. Um, no, I, I joke, I kid, I kid. Um, your wedding, the, the, the good thing for you is that, you know, you had this all planned. You're like, I'm going to do it on September 4th. It's a Friday. And then we're going to kick off the season the next day. And we're going to have football, right? That was the plan. And then John Swafford came in and did the John Swafford thing that he likes to do and puts us against Georgia Tech on a Thursday night. That's, of course, when the rehearsal dinner is because the wedding is on Friday and you said no way in hell she's going to let us watch the game. Right. I mean, we were just resigned to not watch in that game. But, I mean, it probably wouldn't have been a great one, but the first half would have been entertaining. Well, it's the first game of the year. You know, you, you want to see it now. Right. I wasn't even going to come because of that. But uh, now that it got canceled because of COVID, I'm going to be there. Uh, don't worry. I think I'm... How many friends do you have outside of the state of South Carolina that are actually coming? Outside of the state? Well, we should tell this because a lot of our listeners are probably from South Carolina or North Carolina. Like in California, it's a lot different because I, I, I traveled to South Carolina recently and the attitudes are different towards COVID and kind of sensitivity to it. And you can have, you can argue one way or the other about what's the right level of sensitivity. I don't know what that is, but I feel like there's one extreme in California and there might be a slight other extreme in South Carolina. Um, all that said, I'm glad we planned the wedding in, in South Carolina because I don't think it would have otherwise happened, at least not in California. And how many people are coming out of state? And you know what's been some of the friends that we have, as you know, like they're like, oh, I just don't think it's the right thing to do to travel. And like, okay. Um, and then others are like, just can't wait because they've been quarantined for, for months. So how many are coming? Long story long, probably like 30. From out of state. From out of state, yeah. 
how many from the west coast um, west of the mississippi of that 30 it's probably and, and north of the mason dixon <laughs> <laughs> how many people not from georgia south carolina or north carolina yeah i mean it's probably all of that 30 i don't think yeah there's there's kevin in connecticut clemson grad well i'm not excited about getting on a plane i don't really care about being out and about i'm young enough still i don't um, interact with old people uh, from day to day um i i've made i'm making a quick trip just because i can't go see my parents i can't go see my uncle like it's just not going to be safe i would need to quarantine uh, before i did that so i'm making a quick trip but yeah man i'm looking forward to it um you know I, i've been there all along the way throughout this relationship you know i'm probably the the, the person that's most intimate with it you know outside of yourself i would say yeah you've gone on you've gone on trips with us as a third wheel so that's pretty special yeah i enjoyed every minute of it too <laughs> well anyways there we go uh, we know the wedding will happen for sure the question is will the football season happen for sure so the acc released their matchups last week opting for what are we doing 11 games scheduled this year with 10 acc games um and so that's like one less than normal so i mean i was kind of complaining about it it first, but then about the non-conference games when Notre Dame joined, and we're not really missing much. We really playing crap teams for the most part. Um, we don't get South Carolina this year. We can talk a little bit about what that means or how much we care. Um, but overall, schedules here starting a week later, when my math is correct, yeah, than it was going to. Um, it extends longer. We got two open dates. So um, the question is, you know, we've got an 11 game schedule. How much of that do you think we'll actually play? How much will we play? Uh, and, and, and you mean. Like, will we make it through a season? Like you've seen major league baseball come out of the gates struggling, having to cancel some games. That's easier for them to do um, with a 60 game season. And you're playing every day as opposed to this. Now I will give the ACC credit. When I looked at the schedule at first and saw the two open dates and like, what the hell are they doing? It's, you know, you got to get the season as quick as possible, but. Seems like that opens it up in case you do have to cancel some games to reschedule some teams, and then you're only scheduling within your conference. You have more control over that, right? That yeah, that makes sense. Um, but yeah, if, if baseball has been any uh, has, has been any guide for us, I would say, and, and and think about just kind of the logistics or the the, the hardships of of making the bubble, and, and we know that like NBA is actually doing a bubble, and that's worked well. Uh, we're talking about you know 12, 15 player teams in the NBA with a with a support staff that probably goes up to, I'm going to say 50 um, trainers, assistants, and other support. So you can keep a reasonably uh, limited circle. And in the in the MLB, it's it's you know that's probably a factor of three or four. That's probably 200 people. Not to mention the NBA has got 22 games or 22 teams. Excuse me, right now the MLB has got a full slate. Um, so the, I just think here, all right, so here's the bad news. So Clemson is going to face and college football is going to face a lot of the same struggles and maybe even more so than baseball spacing. So what, yeah, I think the cases are, are going to happen. It's just a matter of like, is, uh, is the NCAA and are the, the institutions more responsive to that? And are they quicker to pull the plug? What do you think? Well, I mean, even if we make it through the season, it's, I mean, there's going to be so many different nuances to this year, no matter what, and weird little things that we haven't seen before. 
even if we make it full a full slate, like we're all looking forward to the big marquee matchups. But who's to say that the star players don't go down with COVID, right, and have to miss a couple weeks? Um, it's it's going to alter the the landscape of, of college football this year for sure. You know, every conference is doing their own thing. They have different numbers of games. They're starting at different times. Like the SEC doesn't start fall camp, I think, to the 17th of this month. I mean, they start at the end of September. Um, the conference championship games are extending, you know, halfway into December. Like the NCAA has no control on this over this, right? It seems to all be the conferences right now. So yeah, it's just going to be a weird season. Um, be prepared. You know, we look at the schedule. It comes out and it's like, yeah, we, we've got all these games. You got at Notre Dame, which is going to be tough for sure. Um, you know, Pitt could be a good team. But other than that, you know, we should roll over everybody, right? Well, what if what if Trevor and ETN goes down? What if some of these starters on the offensive line and we've got all these freshmen and sophomores who have no experience backing up, you know? Um, yeah, does that diminish the season too? Right. And, and, you know, I'll say this ahead of time. Um, yeah, I think there's an asterisk to this season, but there's an asterisk to, to, to every sport that's playing right now. But we're all going through the same thing, right? Every team is going through the same thing. Now, how COVID may impact them differently, we, we, we don't know, and it is going to impact them differently. So, you know, if, if Clemson goes to Notre Dame and they don't have Trevor Lawrence and they're able to pull that one out, like, yeah, Notre Dame can, can celebrate. Sure, good for them, but they didn't beat Trevor Lawrence. And I have to think something like that would be taken into consideration uh, with the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I guess yes and no. I mean, you'll, you only have so many games, so many data points everyone's facing kind of the same struggle. Uh, I mean, do you really, I mean, can they really take COVID into account? I, I don't know more than anything. I do. I mean, I hate to say this. I really do. This season does have an asterisk on it. It just, I mean, like you said, the same thing about baseball, you have to feel a little bit about basketball, even though I think the NBA's done a fair job. And you know what, you know what stinks about this? And I'm sorry to be, you know, negative Nancy here, but this was the best Clemson team. It still is probably the best team on paper that we've had. It's right there with 2018 and with Trevor Lawrence being a transcendent talent, maybe it is the best overall team And the depth chart was shaken out. Right. You had upperclassmen getting into the, the, the one, two deep. This was the year. And I mean, we just came out, was it yesterday or today that, or today the coaches picked us preseason number one. I mean, I know that happened last year, but I mean, we are the legitimate, a legitimate number one. I don't think we've been that even, even in our championship years, we weren't legitimate number one. Did we not come back after? Yes, we did. After we won in 2018, we had to have been number one going into last year, right? Uh, I think Bama was the, uh, was number one, the AP number one. Well, who cares? That was last year. This year is going to be a different season. I mean, we can say there's going to be an asterisk. If they make it through the entire season, this whole slate of games, you're going to have 10 to 11 games that these conferences are playing. That's one to two less than normal in a normal season, right? You're not a 60-game MLB season. You're not some weird version of the playoffs in the NBA um, after taking months off uh, for a break there. So it'll be somewhat normal. I think the key is whether or not, again, a lot of these big-name players go down and uh, due to COVID and they have to sit out and it has a significant impact in some of these marquee matchups. I think that's the unfair part of that, but maybe you just treat those like injuries, you know, injuries happen. 
So maybe you just treat them that way. Um, so I do think if we do make it through the entire season, we might feel differently. I had to look on the bright side. You know, I kind of don't care if there's an asterisk, if, if we're able to play the whole season. I'm just going to be happy we get to see guys like Trevor and ETN play one more season. That was one of my biggest fears is that we that, that was the end. It may already be the end for Justin Ross. We heard some good things about his recovery. Maybe he can come back at the end of this year. But, um, you know, that, that's what I was going to miss the most is, is seeing those guys out on the field. Just losing a year. You know, college, you know, these kids come in, they're three, four very few stay for five years. So to take a year out of that experience of watching them play is going to suck. Yeah. And again, I don't want to talk as if this is a foregone conclusion, but I, I remember we had a conversation about the, like Justin Ross and, you know, we always talk about wide receiver you and who ranks the highest and Ross was on the fast track to being one of the best of all time, you know, by, based off his freshman year, he wasn't the best, but he had put in as a freshman, he had put in work and had the trajectory um, to be maybe the best of all time right there with Nuke and Sammy. And of course he was injured last year, but you know, he still had a good season. He had a chance to really come on strong in year three and you lose that kind of guy. That's unfortunate. ETN is he's right there with Spiller as a, as an all timer. Uh, and then, and then, and then Trevor Lawrence. So, and I've thought about this and it just, and this is just fun to compare. These are, he's the second best Clemson player of all time right now. Right. Mm-hmm. Behind Deshaun Watson. And he had yeah. a chance to leapfrog Watson, but would you say that, year. what's that? Had he won last year. Well, I, yeah, I, you know, I thought it would, that would have been pretty much more of a tie if it had that, that happened. But, and you could arguably said he, he could have leapfrogged him last year. I mean, but, Deshaun Watson played much better in the loss to Alabama um, in 2015 than Trevor played last year uh, against LSU. Agreed. And I mean, I would say Watson, I would say like regular season, very similar, just, you know, very all American, all, all conference good postseason Watson has the edge and, but still Trevor Lawrence with another year and a championship and he could still do it. He, he will leapfrog Watson if, right. if Clemson puts it together and that season plays out. So it's 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 already bad enough that we get these guys for three years. Every once in a while, we get lucky, like with ETN, and we get the four. Um, but to, to only get two years of Trevor, that was it was going to hurt. You know, there's no way he'd be coming back next year. I mean, I hope Dabo wouldn't let him if he wanted to. I mean, just for um, you know that kid's future. Um, he got engaged, by the way. Uh, Hunter Renfro had a baby or got pregnant. Is having a baby. Well, his wife is. Um, it's been a it's been a crazy COVID time, man. <laughs> More weird things happening. Um, so yeah, so on the bright side, just being able to see those guys play again, play again, feeling the atmosphere of college football. I know there's not likely to be fans in the stands, but you know, I thought going into the major league season that that was going to matter. But for the last two weeks, man, just having a game on in the background, it's been so nice to have sports. Now, granted, with baseball, there's generally not a lot of fans in the stand, but just being able to watch it on TV, hear the announcers, um, and, and just the sounds of the game, you know, um, it it's comforting. And it's something that we've needed dearly um, to watch some NBA games, too. Oh, wow. That's impressive. Yeah. I mean. Yeah. That's not really your your thing. Well, I, I, I kind of just, I mean, I agree in the sense that it's better to have sports than not having them. But football to me it does rely and we'll find out because i you don't really know until you start it back up but to me football does rely on the sport or the the crowd and the entertainment value of that and i mean i think that's part of what makes 
the SEC, so fun to watch on a Saturday, you know, that, that four o'clock Eastern slot, you know, thinking of Auburn or Death Valley and, and then being sold out. Like, I don't know, just make something about that is more appealing versus Clemson, Wake Forest, or we'll say Clemson, Boston College on a Friday night. Nothing, and that's nothing against Clemson where, you know, you have, what, 15,000 in attendance. And in this case, you just have an empty stadium in 2020. So I don't know. We'll see how much that diminishes the entertainment value. Well, and it almost, well, it almost completely eliminates um, home field advantage. Like the crowd in college football, um, you know, basketball is like that as well. Major League Baseball, not so much. But, I mean, that's a huge thing. I mean, sure, send us on the road to Notre Dame. Nobody in the stands. Right. I would say the only, the only advantage would just be the travel and the preparation and the yeah. any kind of added stress that goes with that. Yeah. But they're used to that, yeah. you know? So I don't know. It's going to be a weird year. Um, again, I think we're both, I wouldn't say cautiously optimistic. I'm still somewhat pessimistic. But not that we're not going to, not that we're not going to play at all, but I'd say about us completing a full season. I'm still 40% sure, maybe less than 50. Agreed. I think I'm less than 50. It's probably somewhere in the 30 to 40 range. Yeah. I and, hope I'm wrong. And I, and you know, we don't have to talk about, cause there's, there's a lot that's been going on during this pandemic, but I mean, you can't understate kind of the way the culture and society is going and kind of this movement um, I, that's really going to, it's already picking up steam. Um, it's going to be strange that players are, at least the, the optics of this and the narrative that the, the way the media will spend it, that these unpaid, um, exploited at student athletes and students, in, in quotes, um, are playing and risking their lives, which that's not true, um, but that's what they'll say. Um, while you know others are profiting massively they're getting paid nothing like that that's the narrative and they'll they'll i mean the optics of that i'm really surprised that i'm frankly i'm surprised that they push forward knowing that they're going to face this kind of narrative from the media and it's going to be hard too much money involved man um too much money on the table to lose um but you know what screw the media they need something to talk about as much as any of us uh, do right now um you know these players have the freedom of choice, right? They can choose not to play. Pac-12 and Big Ten <laughs> are uh, kind of walking that 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 rope or that line right, now, towing that line right now. Um, so that kind of shifts me into you know, thinking about. I mentioned it earlier. You know, you, with Major League Baseball, with the NBA, with the NFL, you have one governing body in in coordination with the teams, and they make decisions right and they set a plan of action for moving forward college football with all the conferences doing their different things um starting different times again you know playing different numbers of games like what is the point of the ncaa as a governing body you know it's all antiquated and and their whole the whole thing that they're predicated their whole premise that they're predicated on is a it's a i don't say it's a lie but it's it's a half truth at best like the student athlete and, and by the way, I know we've had conversations about the pay for play and, and you know, a, uh, a football players ability to profit off of their own likeness. And I've actually come more away from pay for play. And I actually, I see more of the value that a football player gets. And I think you've actually, were, uh, 
Yeah, I'm going to pull up the old recordings. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let me, I'll, we'll paraphrase so they don't have to go see that. Um, and you were more against it, the pay for play, but I think you've kind of veered more towards it. So we both m- moved to a more modern position, yep. I would say. Yep. Do you agree? Well, yeah. Well, you see, Dabo came out today in favor um, for setting up something uh, that the players would um, it'd be revenue sharing that they would have access to after they graduate or leave school. So Dabo, his, his thought process on it is, is evolving as it naturally will for all of us. Um, I, I do think that people do not take into account, specifically in the media, the amount of um, value that these players get by being involved on the football team, being enrolled in the university, being part of the university, and what that preparation does for them for when they leave college football, whether that goes, whether they go, whether they go to the NFL or they go into something else, coaching or, or um, whatever uh, field their degree was in or anything. Um, you know, in really good programs, like there's a lot of value and benefit there that these kids get. Now, yes, it's BS that they were putting out video games with their jersey numbers. Did they have the names on the back originally? I'm not sure. Uh, but profit, no, maybe they didn't have the names, but they molded the player to look exactly like them and like use their same number and everything. Um, yeah, that was BS. And that's where the NCAA should have done better, but they didn't um, because they're the NCAA. Right. I mean, they've had to lawyer. I mean, I guess my whole thing with the pay for play is, you know, we can set aside the fact that what, what the actual value that a player gets, but had they eased into this a long time ago and, and there was a level of integrity and honesty with what this business was, which was like just a booming business over the last 20, 30 years, had they started to work something out, um, it, they could have done it in increments and slow change could have happened and, and needed change. And now it's, I mean, now football could be under threat because the change could be so swift that it would throw the system into chaos and, I'm not saying that it's, I don't think college football is going anywhere. It just might not look the same in five years. And that can have some serious, I don't know. There could be some serious issues with that. Well, it's not going to look the same in five years, no matter what. But um, I mean, just the the safety of the game has been changing so much, but yeah, dude, Congress is getting involved. It's like, what the hell are they doing getting involved? Like NCAA, get your act together and figure it out. Like get rid of Emmer. Is he still the president? I believe so. I think so. Like what, what is he doing? Um, don't kill college football for us. I think these players should get stipends. I think they should get more than they're getting now. Like they can't, they don't have time to have jobs, right? They go to school and they put all their, uh, the rest of their effort into football. Um, and, and that should be compensated for, for sure. Um, but. Well, how about the, the idea of like profiting off your own likeness is as much as I like that and, and, and as a concept, like it, it seems like just an element of America, like an extension of American values, just freedom to be able to do that. Um, so I'm, I'm all for it. But uh, in terms of regulating it, doesn't it seem harder that to regulate something like that, that will be more prone to corruption uh, rather than like a, like a fixed stipend uh, that would, you know, maybe it would go well beyond the hundred or thousand dollars, whatever that players get, like it could go way beyond that. But the profiting off your own likeness that that brings in the local uh, you know car dealerships. It's like come to Alabama, we'll we'll get you we'll set you up you know we'll get and then you get like a ten thousand dollar deal to go you know to the local Ford dealership and to, to Nick Saban's Mercedes <laughs> right dealership everyone whatever, gets paid yeah <laughs> everyone's a spokesman for his Mercedes dealership yeah um yeah again 
It's part of the reason I'm not that confident in the season is because they're in charge ultimately. But um, we'll see how it goes. Yeah, and, uh, I, and I'm sorry, just to say, the reason we even talk about this is because this, this narrative is overlaid on the whole season. Like pushing forward brings that narrative into full focus. And then you might not have to deal with it because there'll be football to be played and that can take kind of the, uh, you know, can, can act as a distraction. But when the off season go, uh, you know, comes forth, it's right back front and center. And then players are going to think about striking and unionizing. And it's going to be something we're really going to have to deal with probably the next couple of years. Speaking of striking and unionizing, um, I had a nice chuckle when the Pac-12 players came out and said they <laughs> might protest the season. It's like, it's adorable. Who cares about the Pac-12? <laughs> <laughs> it's I was like, like, <laughs> was going to say, if the Big Ten, uh, if they cancel the season, I would say, you know, that there's an asterisk and you wouldn't, you wouldn't feel right about a championship, but if the Pac-12 did, it'd be like, oh, well. It's like, that's whatever, it's like, man. Yeah. Oh, well. That's, that's cute. <laughs> we, lived, like we live on the west coast and i've like you know we got stanford right nearby we've got cal and they play teams that are used to be good um every once in a while and i just i went to the stanford notre dame once the game once a few years ago and the atmosphere there was just it was a packed stadium and you could still hear a pin drop exciting as exciting as that game was too so i don't know pac-12 football is just i've been out here for nine years can't get into it even when, when the game you know it's easy on the east coast to not care because the game comes on at like 11 30 at night you know out here it's like 8 30 still prime time and it's like no switch it off some other sport who cares so you're, you can actually make give, give yourself more attention as a as an activist uh rather than a football player in, in the pack in pac 12 football is what you're telling me um, yeah sure i just saying who cares about the Pac-12 <laughs> fair enough um speaking of a conference full of crappy teams let's talk about our ACC schedule this year Cody <laughs> so we're playing 10 ACC teams which is a slight upgrade over either the act or either Akron or Citadel dropping off in South Carolina who we will not play this year we'll get into that um but uh, again, I'm excited to play football, but looking over the schedule, there's not an exciting games. There's one exciting game, and that's Notre Dame. I mean, the first game will be exciting. Feels about like a normal season. Yeah. Actually, you know, that's not entirely true because Dabo has done a great job of opening the season with a with a a good team. We normally have one or two. Actually, it's been about two good ACC conference games, whether that be Florida State, Louisville, uh, North Carolina, NC State. Like, we usually have two good ones, at least we've had in the last, say, five years. And then, of course, South Carolina, good or bad, it, it's still important and it's meaningful. And now, we, like you said, we legitimately only have about one good game that we know is going to be a good one. Like The others could be complete garbage. I We've got Pitt on the typical South Carolina game weekend. Um, they were 8-5 last year. They returned Kenny Pickett, at quarterback, who's a 3,000-yard passer. They returned their leading rusher in A.J. Davis. It's, at, it's in Clemson, but again, home field doesn't matter as much this year. Fans aren't going to be there. So don't overlook Pitt. You can overlook everybody else. Um, <laughs> Virginia lost Bryce Perkins. Um, they bring in Mississippi State uh, transfer 
Ken Thompson. I did not watch a lot of Mississippi State football. Um, that game is in Clemson. I'm imagining it's going to be not as close as the ACC championship game was last year, which wasn't close. Uh, does Miami get better? They they bring in uh, uh, Derek King from Houston, quarterback. What does that look like? Yeah, and who? Do, I mean, who knows? Greg Russo uh, opted out their uh, defensive end, star defensive end. I mean, so you have. I mean, Bronco Mendenhall. Maybe that. Maybe that's something to pencil in. Maybe because you know, maybe it is harder for guys to get up and motivated without without fans, whether you're on the road or home. So maybe Clemson has a letdown game. But you know, actually, what I what I really think, I'm just that's just a you know an argument that you can make. What I really think is in this environment, without the motivation uh, from the crowd and that adrenaline, I think it comes down to who's more talented. So what I really think is Clemson, who will have a talent edge in every game, will win. Will win out. I mean, I know that normally happens anyway, but like kind of the weird stuff like at North Carolina that happened last year and NC State from a few years back, I, I don't think that happens this year. No, Notre Dame can legitimately beat Clemson, but I, I tend to believe that's it. Yeah. Well, and that's something to talk about too. You know, even if we do have some COVID sit-outs, um, you know, guys getting sick, like the depth is still so much better. Our second string guys, for the most part, is so much better than the rest of the ACC again not Notre Dame, I would say. Um, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, sure. I don't know what any of these teams are going to look like. I need to do some more digging into it. But, you know, Virginia is probably not going to be as good as they were last year in their 9-5 season. Wake Forest is always a they're, – they're well coached. Um, it's at Wake and Winston-Salem, but – I mean, it still shouldn't be a close game. So it really isn't. And after Miami, you've got Georgia Tech. They'll be better, but they're still not going to be that good. Syracuse, which is on a kind of a, a downfall, down downward spiral. And there's, they may have the worst, uh, the hardest schedule in the ACC this year. It was brutal. Um, you have Boston College, and that's that's all before Notre Dame. And so none of that strikes fear in your heart. Right. And would you say, though, uh, the one thing about the schedule that could be redeeming is that there is no there are no off weeks uh, like in the same way that there used to be the FCS teams and the non power five teams. Well, there will be one between Wake Forest and our open date to start the season. Akron or Citadel is slated to play. They haven't figured that out yet. Um, so it'll be one of those teams. Uh, my guess would be the Citadel and support the in-state school. Akron, at least, is. FBS. All right. So, well, so I stand corrected. There will be an off day. An Would off you week. even play the starters against the Citadel? Yeah. You know, Dabo is not going to, he's not going to do anything different. He's going to keep things as normal as he always does. Yeah. He's going to prepare them the same. And maybe that's another advantage Clemson has is well, the open, so regimented. And the open date is after that. So again, if anybody gets COVID and time to recover, um, yeah, so really, I mean, nothing really exciting up until Notre Dame. But, again, just having football on, I think, is going to be exciting. And because of what I mentioned earlier, I'm just – I'm not going to pay attention to, to all of that, I guess. Um, not be as bored in years past as I have been with such a weak schedule. 
Um, just need to remind myself to enjoy the moments we have left with with the seniors or juniors who are going to leave, specifically Lawrence and Etienne. Right, I'm with you on that. I the only the only other thing that stands out to me about the schedule because like it's not particularly exciting. Um, the ACC kind of had a, had a blank slate when they went to no divisions and they started from scratch. Man, maybe there's a reason for this. You can fill me in. Why didn't they just include North Carolina? You know, you've got three teams at least that you think are going to be major contenders and one of those in North Carolina why not just have mix them in uh so they're playing Clemson to our schedule um right yeah I don't know I, I don't know what all the the, the metrics and our algorithms and everything it goes uh, into this to put together a balanced schedule um but maybe they expect that we might meet them in the ACC championship game because it's going to be the top two teams and their team, you know, Notre Dame is thinking they're a shoe and they're not, and they play North Carolina. Um, they've got a harder schedule than we do. Yeah, at uh, North Carolina. Uh, they're at North Carolina, the second to last game of the year. And that's actually on a Friday. It looks like that's weird. Um, that sounds about right. Friday, Friday yeah. game between Notre Dame and North Carolina. So it's the Friday after Thanksgiving. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's going to be a tough game for them. Uh, they play Louisville, who is going to be a, a, they have been an improving team, um, under Scott Satterfield and they're going to be better this year. Uh, they play at Pitt and you know, we talked about Kenny Pickett. Um, that's about it, but it doesn't take much when you're playing ACC competition. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So let me, uh, all right. Some just random questions. Hey, hey, they, real quick. They open the season against Duke and our boy Chase Bryce. Oh, wow. Yeah. Is he, did he already graduate? So he's immediately eligible. Um, so he's got two years of eligibility. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. All right. Yeah. That's good. So, and he doesn't have to sit out. That's good. Well, even, okay. Even if he would have technically had to sit out, I'm sure Dabo would have signed a waiver to let him play right away. I, I really don't know how that's worked. That's also shifting too. So, um, a question. Will Brent Venables be as intense in uh, in the games without fans there? Well, it's gonna be hard to tell with a mask on. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I guess we can count how many times the uh, get back coach has to pull him back and compare that. You watch the game from last year and uh, run the numbers. Um, yeah, I think that guy. It, it, you know. He's intense at a funeral, you know, uh, <laughs> in somber moments. Uh, I, I think he comes up with all the motivation himself. I, I don't think it's about the crowd. Um, and if it is about the crowd, then just give him some headphones, pump in some crowd music, game, game sounds from last year, uh, specifically the LSU game. Maybe do that. Just play the, the national championship game over and over in his headset. That'll piss him off. Yeah, I'm I'm with you. You could play games on the moon and Venables would be just crazy. By the way, I, he could you could put a mask on him. The dude the dude moves a lot. Like it's his its whole body is just he, he can't sit still. Like we need clear masks. Yeah. So we, can, so we can see. You know, I don't know why anybody's thought about that yet. Yeah, clear mask. What the hell's going on? I guess you gotta be out of the right material. Um I, nobody take that idea. I'm gonna run with it and invent something. Um all right, so finally, after all those games uh, that are not very exciting, we get to Notre Dame. Uh, it's in South Bend. We were going to go to the game this year. We're obviously not going to go to the game this year, even if they hold a game. Um, 
or have fans in the stands because it'll probably be 50% capacity. They're not going to release tickets to Clemson. Um, but that was something we were looking forward to. Um, you know, we go on the road, uh, me and Graham, a couple others last year to a away game every year. This was going to be the one this year. And this one had such high notoriety. It's Notre Dame. We've never been there before that we had a big group going. It's going to be a lot of fun. Um, it's on the same date as it was previously, but um, luckily we get them in again in two years and we'll have to plan a trip to uh, South Bend then. So did anything change? Are you saying, because next year they'll come to Death Valley, right? Yeah, I would imagine the schedules, like you just let the schedule remain as it is and this, this season is a wash, right? You take it for what it is. If the ACC wants to be opportunistic and try to um, recruit Notre Dame by giving them more Clemson opportunities, I'm all for that. By mixing and Florida State and Clemson in every year, that would be that'd be fine by me. To not come, to come out of this without having Notre Dame pledged to join the conference fully, and you know Swafford had the upper hand, like he had all the leverage in this. Notre Dame was not going to be able to put together a 10, 11, 12 game schedule, right? With everything that was going on, it was going to be against. Uh, the independents and some FCS schools probably. Um, so, but that's what we expect out of Swafford. Um, but interesting to have them in the conference this year and to have no divisions in the conference. So that'll be fun to see how that plays out. And it'll also be interesting to see, I mean, they're really going to see how they stack up, I guess. They're going to play better ACC teams this year, probably a larger quantity of the better ACC teams. They may be in years past, although they've been playing a heavy, what, five, six, six-game schedule against the, the ACC. So Yeah, five. It just feels like them being involved more and having an opportunity for the conference championship. But I'm glad that's happening. I think that's great, and I think that's great for the conference. I just think after this year, that needs to be a permanent thing. Yeah, and, I mean, if, if you're a Notre Dame fan, and I have I have actually a few friends that are Notre Dame fans, just, just weirdly, uh, randomly, and they actually take a lot of pride and, and they, they like, and I mean, I kind of don't blame them. They, they have some really good out of con or just random matchups with, you know, USC rivalry. Uh, they play Michigan um, and then they get to just kind of pick and choose some other teams. And they like that. They don't like the ACC schedule. And again, quite frankly, if you're Clemson and you could choose Notre Dame schedule every year, I think you would choose that over, I don't know, Wake Forest and, and Boston college and Syracuse. So I, I kind of see where they're coming from, but at the same time, they're not, the big swing and you know what's you know what i mean they're uh they haven't been for a long time they haven't been yeah they're i mean clemson is is you know they're they have more clout alabama like there's bigger guys on the block now than notre dame so they kind of like it would maybe help their cause to just join the conference yeah i mean because yeah i don't know i don't i, don't, I mean the, the only thing that they have to hang, hang their hat on right now or while they're still right resisting is the tv rights with NBC and getting all that TV revenue, which they're having to split with the ACC this year. Um, but it just feels like, you know, they're that old baseball player, like trying to hang on for the last years of his career, hitting like, you know, 225, um, uh, 100. Dan Ugla. Like, yeah, like Dan Ugla. <laughs> Dan Ugla, yeah. <laughs> they're the Dan Uglas of college football. Um, you know, just uh, shit or get off the pot, you know? Yeah. Put a ring on it. Yeah, I mean, and I think people, you know, 
Notre Dame's been on a pedestal for such a long time. I think people are just ready. Like this is the, like one of the last things they have. It's like you're not that good at football anymore, but you do have your own independence and you get to pick a schedule. So I think people, and and us too, um, kind of the anti Notre Dame sentiment. It's like, all right, come on, join the ACC, get in line. And may, maybe it will actually like restore some uh, more uh, like I don't know. People will like Notre Dame a little bit. It'll it'll make them more relatable and likable. Who knows? Maybe they don't care about that. Yeah, maybe they have a great time this year, and that's what that is does it. Right. <laughs> they realize it's an easier schedule. <laughs> right. Yeah, like you know, Clemson has a COVID case, and like, wow, it's never been easier to go to a playoff. Just going through the ACC minus Clemson. Um, so let's talk about the game this year and this year's Notre Dame team. Uh, there were, they started off 10th in the coaches poll. They were 11 and two last year. Um, only losses on the road to Georgia and Michigan, although it was a pretty bad loss at Michigan. Um, but they're feeling really good about themselves. There's a lot of people thinking they could be a top five team this year, but I mean, that's also caveat that's every year. Yeah. I, you know, I haven't done my homework on them, so I don't want to speak out of turn, but I, from, from an insider, I know, which is a friend, they, they do, they do feel really bullish about this, this squad. It's they, I think they've said it's probably their best team on paper. Um, and dating back to, you know, what, 2015, when we played them in the, in the flood game. And uh, they, 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 I think there's sentiment that this is a better team than that one. I'd like to point out to them that Ian book is still the quarterback. They watched him play. Right? Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. <laughs> He's they, uh, they lose their leading rusher in Tony Jones Jr. Lead their uh, lead, uh, leading wide receiver chase Claypool. Um, you know, so there are some shoes to fill. I am not uh, knowledgeable of their depth chart, so I'm not going to speak either to their potential this year. But, you know, they're ranked 10, which is about where you expect um, a Notre Dame team to be ranked no lower than right at the beginning of every season. So we'll see how it plays out. Um, again, glad they're participating in the conference, glad they're on our schedule right. because it's the one game, you know, the big game that we have to look forward to this year. Yeah, and, and Ian Book, you know, look, he's not a bad quarterback. No, no. He's had two years of, of uh, real-time experience where he's been a quality starter. And there are college quarterbacks like him that despite their physical limitations, and really he's got some other actual quarterback limitations, like they do kind of take a next step. Like his, his, his ceiling isn't capped, I would say. So, you know, who knows? Maybe he can take it to the next level. I don't, he, he's not an NFL quarterback, obviously, but some, some upside there, some collegiate upside. Well, so after, uh, after Notre Dame, we've got another open date. Uh, and then at Florida State, Florida State has not been good for the last several years. They've really been struggling. Had, you know, obviously, um, bad coaching hire. And then they get Mike Norvell from Memphis, which looked like a good coaching hire. And then he had some issues um, here in the offseason with his team, the social justice uh, movements going on. Uh, since then, him and uh, Marvin Wilson, who's kind of leading that effort, have made up. So they seem to be on good ground. They bring back James Blackman, who I have to think at this point has to be tired of getting sacked by Clemson. That poor guy, he's been like a practice dummy for Clemson the last few years. I was going to say, who is their, is he their solid starting quarterback? I was going to say 20 bucks if you can name their quarterback, but I'm probably yeah, going to 20 bucks. No, it's him. Um, I looked at their depth chart earlier just to see if I was missing anybody. 
um, but nobody stood out. Remember, like their their big get that was supposed to be coming in last year was Sam Howell before he flipped in North Carolina. That's who they were banking on. And I, I almost guarantee you he'd be the starter there right now, not James Blackett. Oh, yeah, he's he's a good one. And, yeah, they, they, that was a big loss for them. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I don't expect – what, they were 6-7, and 4-4 four and four in the conference last year. I ex- They've got to be better at some point, right? They have to start turning it around. But the recruiting hasn't been going great for them, um, you know, like it used to. Their facilities aren't the same and up to, up to snuff with uh, – a lot of the other current blue bloods in, in college football. So it's been a struggle for them, but Mike Norvell did very good at Memphis. So we'll see how he's able to do at Florida state. Yeah. I, I mean, Mike Norvell is a good coach, a good coach. I I've heard, you know, I don't know enough. I just hear from people that know more than me that he's eth- ethically questionable and some, some things he's done and throughout his career. Um, and so the whole like social justice, like those re- reprimands don't surprise me but but I, you know I, again I don't know him so I shouldn't I shouldn't you know say too much more but um ultimately it seems like you can be a good football coach and even if with some eth- ethically questionable character and, and still do better than uh, the last years of um of uh, Mr. Jimbo Fisher and in the first, in the only two years of Willie Taggart it seems like there's only that bar's low yeah there's the only way to go is up for, for Florida state. Um, that the disappointing thing with Florida state is and Tolan and I talked about this last time is that, you know, parallel to our meteoric rise, like they just hit rock bottom. Right. And we didn't have the chance to like see each other in passing really um, when we were both close to being there at the top, uh, right at the top. Um, and, you know, they're a, they're a historic rival of ours, you know, being so dominant in the ACC in the 90s and the, and the, the 2000s, the Tommy Bowden versus Bobby Bowden, um, you know, back in the late 90s, early 2000s. So um, you really like to see them become good again. Again, they're, they're one of the reasons why the ACC has been down is because you've got Clemson and nobody else and that somebody else is supposed to be Florida State and then maybe some other Agreed. Agreed. And you know what, you know, you were talking about the meteoric rise of Clemson and the contrast to Florida state, you know, there was, there were two years there with Deshaun Watson in our, in the 15, 16 season, the 15 matchup was really good. And those Florida state teams, both seasons, if you recall, were ranked ahead of Clemson or at least considered by in a lot of polls ahead of Clemson and they had every bit as much talent. So that's quite the, you know, the documentary that they could make either about obviously about Clemson's rise and the, uh, and, and Florida State's demise, but like that, it's amazing you can have that much talent and, 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 and crumble so quickly. And so 15 was the year right after um, Jameis Winston. Jameis Winston yeah. left, right? Yeah. Yeah. You know what they say about it, karma. Right. I mean, <laughs> it, it feels like it's the Jameis Winston curse, right? Yeah. It does. Yeah. Yeah, kind of deserve it. Sorry, sorry, they not sorry. They championship, but they sold their soul to the devil. Um, yeah, and here we are. Uh, but you know, you'd love to see them come back and be good again. I mean, that, that was always a game on the schedule we circled and looked forward to. Now, not so much as long as exciting. Um, so after Florida State, we talked about Pitt, and then we wrap up the season at Virginia Tech and Blattsburg. So we're going to have two cold weather games. It looks like the game at Notre Dame. I mean, it's not out of the question that could be snowing that time of year. 
Um, and then at Virginia Tech and Blacksburg on December 5th, which was usually be the weekend of the ACC championship game, uh, you know, they were a decent team last year, eight and five, Justin Fuente, their head coach is a good coach. They bring back the quarterback, Hendon Hooker. Um, still, he threw for less than 2,000 yards last year. So I expect that they'll be improved. Blacksburg is a tough place to play um, when there are fans in the stands. But again, given the weather, the weather's one thing, home field advantage for both Notre Dame and Virginia Tech is actually going to still, you know, be there for them, uh, the weather factor, the cold weather factor. It could be snowing in Blacksburg. Yeah, no, that, that's something to consider. I mean, just give the ball to ETN and let him run. Yeah. So is there any insider information about ETN and potentially sitting out the season? No, no. Davo has confirmed that today nobody opted out. Um, that was all. If you're reading the message boards today, you'd be thinking half the teams were up, but half the team was opting out. There was Xavier Thomas was going to opt out. Joseph Nagata was going to opt out. ETN was going to opt out. Um, those are the three I saw. And really all it was was Xavier Thomas uh, had a bout with COVID, followed up by a bout with strep throat. He wasn't around like uh, weights or exercise equipment. They didn't have like easy access to him where he was and he gained weight and he's been having some breathing issues and, you know, he's just not in football shape right now. So they're playing a red shirt. I and mean, that's what that turned out to be. The speculation was, was that he was going to sit out and that set everybody off saying, Oh, he's not ready for the NFL yet. What's he thinking? Uh, well, it had nothing to do with that. Um, the ETN thing, I think probably just played off of that as speculation, but it was, that didn't even seem plausible to me for him to want to come back this year. It just does not seem like it's in his character unless there's some other underlying health issue we don't know about. He also was at the weigh-in yesterday. I came in at 199. Yeah, I mean, that, that's strange. Maybe that was... Why would you do that otherwise? Just hearsay. All right, so but I don't know if you had anything else like that you um, wanted to talk about with the schedule, but can we get into some of the fun stuff? The Some of the freshmen, some of the, the players we're excited to, to see outside of the upperclassmen? Uh, yeah, but, but before we move on to that, let's talk about South Carolina. Oh, yeah, yeah, of course. Not having South Carolina on the schedule. Again, it's one of those things. I mean, I hate South Carolina with all of my heart and soul. Um, I grew up in South Carolina, lifelong Clemson fan. Um, I was at the 63-17 game in williams Bryce, one of the greatest moments of my life. Um, I was at the last one, what was it, like 56-7. Um, and so I do look forward to playing them every year. It's one of my favorite games. It's, it's lost some of the luster um, since, you know, they're not as good and the games haven't been that close. Um, but I guess really when I think about it deep down, I, I, I want to play them. I'm disappointed that they're not on the schedule, um, even if they would have filled that, that uh Akron or Citadel game with them, even if it would be a different time of year, you still get to play them. Uh, but the SEC opted not to have uh, non-conference games, and so that's what we're stuck with, and we're not going to play South Carolina this year. Is it the end of the world? No. Like, we'll be back playing them again next year. Um, like, why Lindsey Graham is piping in about it when he should be in Washington trying to get a stimulus deal passed for all of us um, beats me, but, like, it's football. It's not the end of the world. It sucks that your vision ends, but again, it's a weird time. Hey, that, that was not a political comment, right? That was just. No, the, sti the stimulus affects all of us and he needs to get back there with all of them, Republicans and Democrats and all of them together need to figure right. something out and help the country out. 
I just, yeah, I just want to make sure it sounded very bipartisan to me. It, and it's very bipartisan. It, it was a, yeah, you're a United States citizen and you care about the country. Okay. Cool. I, I'm with you, man. Um, so South Carolina, I think it's good to have a year off. They, they need this. They need it. <laughs> it's kind of like, them. what's Yeah, it's good. It's good for them. It's kind of like, guys, we beat you. It, it's getting kind of embarrassing for you. Let's take a year off. Let's, let's go on a break. You guys go think about what you've done and then we'll see you next year. And maybe you guys have, will have gotten it together a little bit more so we can have like a, because ultimately you want the game to be a little bit more challenging and competitive. You just do, even though you yeah. want to beat them, you, you want to beat them. Like the thing about the 63, 17 game is we weren't supposed to beat them by that, by that amount. Like it, it was, it was a kind of a close, you know, I don't know what the spread was, but it wasn't 50 wasn't points. Bad. Yeah. Especially on the road in Columbia. But when you're beating them 63-17 and that's and you don't and you're barely covering the spread or you don't cover the spread, that's just not a fun game. So we need them. We need Florida State. We need them to get a little bit better. Oh, Maybe we man. need to get a little bit worse. I, it never gets old to me kicking their ass. Maybe it does for like people who did not grow up in the rivalry that are Clemson fans, like people from Ohio, like Tully. Um but you know, but you also went to South Carolina your first year, so you've got this weird. I don't know. You're you're off. Well, a little bit off, man. Dark there was a, you know, before I moved to California, there was like two years after college. I think where I was still in South Carolina, and 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 by the way, South Carolina was beating Clemson during those seasons. Yeah, that's so it. it meant a lot to me at that point, and I really it wasn't that I hated South Carolina. I just really hated losing to them. And, uh, and the friends that I had were mostly nice, but they were more prone to get the, the you know, to talk trash. Um, haven't heard a peep out of them in the last five years or no, maybe longer. Nobody returns texts anymore. They answer the phone after the game. I don't get it. I don't know why. <laughs> they, they did when they were beating us. I answered the phone. I don't know. I, I, you know, I, there's different types of fans that subsets of fans that, within each fan base. I can't, I won't speak generally of all South Carolina fans, but I always had the feeling that most of my South Carolina fans were really just kind of like, or my friends were just enjoy this while it lasts because it won't last long. I got that, that kind of yeah. vibe from them, which seemed to be the right way to, to be. Well, and that's, that's how I felt. Right. I didn't think it was gonna last forever for them. Um, and then I knew that we were getting better and you know, it sucked losing for them five years in a row for sure. But, um, just seeing us bounce back and play good bowl, good bowl games, win the ACC championships, like you knew we were on the rise. Um, but again, it, it never gets old to me to, to, to beat them so bad. What was funny to me is that they probably all saw they didn't have Clemson on the schedule and were excited at first before they realized that um, all those open slots of games they need, uh, they're going to have to play is going to have to be filled by SEC West teams. I think they'll take. Uh, I think they'll take Arkansas, LSU, and Auburn, and you can name them all yeah, over over Clemson. Ole Miss, Mississippi State. Um, yeah. So, are they in the? Yeah, they're in the West. Um, so the schedule does not. The point being, the schedule doesn't get easier for them because we drop off. Uh, most likely. I don't know. The, the SEC has not come out with their full schedule their schedule at all yet, so we don't know who they're playing um, or if they're dividing up in division, into divisions um, or not like the ACC is doing. So, um, Either way, uh, it seems like at this point that there's no hope left 
and that we're definitely not going to be playing them unless they make it to the national championship game. <laughs> the year of COVID, I mean, it could happen. You never know. The entire SEC gets COVID and has to go down, and the only team left standing is the University of South Carolina. They developed immunity living in Columbia, South Carolina. There you go. Not gonna, <laughs> not gonna pile on top of that. For any of our Columbia resident listeners. Um, okay, yeah. So that's wrap, that wraps it up for the schedule. Um, yeah, man. Let's now go ahead and wrap this up with uh, August camp. Some of the guys we're looking forward to. We mentioned that Xavier Thomas is going to essentially they're they're planning on registering him this year. Might play four games. Might might get into four games, but otherwise. Um, he will be out, Justin Ross likely out for the entire season, although we've heard some good updates on him today and how he's been coming along. So I don't know if he could potentially come back towards the end of the year. But, you know, when Ross went down, you're like, it's not the same as having, like, a Justin Ross or a T. Higgins behind him. I mean, we have Latson and Gata, and they're going to be great players. Um, I think, was it Latson? Like, put on a lot of really good weight that he needs to. But, um, you know, you haven't seen a lot of them. You know, they're going to be really good, but, you know, it's starting to get thin there, Justin Ross being gone. We do have Amari Rogers coming back. Uh, we don't have the freshman class that we have the past couple of seasons. We do have E.J. Williams, who should be really good, though. Um, but it'll be interesting if that wide receiver position does kicks out. I didn't wonder if maybe Darren Kendrick might switch back to wide receiver if there's a hole there. Yeah, I, I don't – I think there's enough – there's no players and guys yeah. that are highly touted recruits that they, they're just going to mix them in. Even if they're not ready, that's kind of been, I mean, not to say they, they'll be ready. They might not be T Higgins or Justin Ross ready, but uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm actually pretty bullish on, on Frank Ladson and Joseph and I know they didn't, if you remember, if you recall the last fall, they had a lot of in, in the spring as well. They had a lot of hype. They were talked about as, as good of as good of receivers as Sammy Watkins coming out of camp, and you just didn't see it on the field. And I, I don't really think it's because they weren't as good, because I think they have incred, incredible upside. I think the issue is they just didn't get the reps because they were blocked. So I'm actually really bullish on those two. And frankly, you only need two great receivers to win at a high level, and they, they have at least two, in my opinion. And Amari could potentially be a third. Oh, absolutely! With Amari, you saw him bounce back last year. Let's not forget about Cornell Powell. You know, you see flashes out of him. Like, he's got the athleticism. He's got it there. He's just, he doesn't, he hasn't put it together yet. But I have to give that kid credit for sticking it out, seeing all these other guys pass him on the death chart, and to still be on this team and, and you know, fighting his butt off for playing time and listed as a co-star with Amari Rogers. Um, you know, that's awesome to see. That means, to me, is he's motivated, his head's in the right place, and I'm hoping for really big things out of him this year. If, if for anything, just to see, you know, a smile on his face. Cause he's earned it. Yeah. You know, Clemson's had a few players that have kind of broken out late. He could be, he could be the next one. And I mean, he, he's going to get his reps. Like Clemson likes to throw the ball. I'm, I'm looking at some of the younger receivers. I mean, Will Sweeney, he's not a younger yes. receiver. He's going to make, you know, he's going to get a ton of catches and a ton of snaps. Love him or hate him. I think everyone loves him. Uh, some of the, the freshmen, like, like EJ Williams, will be will be interesting. We've heard good things about him. But, yeah, I, I mean, I'm not expecting big things, but just you, you're going to well, be playing some lower-level competition, so they're going to get a chance. Brandon Spector's a guy. 
yeah, that could really come on. You, we've heard a lot of great things about him. Um, so it'll be interesting to see, you know, he's, oh, sorry, Powell was uh, 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 co-starter with Frank Latson. So Brandon Spector is behind Amari Rogers. Right. I mean, and we, we missed Hunter Renfro from last year. That was a big reason. I think we had some issues moving the chains and yeah. Trevor Lawrence just needed that outlet and nothing against Amari, but that was his, I think his first year trying to play the slot and that wasn't his, he, I hope he's acclimated and he also was coming off an ACL. Um, but Brandon Spector, like you said, he could be, he could be the next version of Renfro. Hey, did you see Renfro's new, new nickname? I can't wait to hear it. The slot machine. <laughs> They're playing in Vegas, get it? Like oh, it's, yeah. br- it's, it's brilliant. It's absolutely brilliant. I love it. So we're going to retire third in Renfro? No, we can keep that one, too. But the slot machine, that's, that's pretty yeah. awesome. Third in Renfro is more of a mantra, I suppose. It's, it's a way, it's a philosophy, yeah. yeah. It's, a, it's a way of life. Yeah. Um, yeah, so who else? Who else are you excited about? Obviously, Trevor, um, getting to see... Uh, DJ Youngalele out there and Tyson Pumachon apparently um, putting on some good weight and really coming along. So a lot of depth at quarterback. Obviously, you know, you know the running back, ETN, um, and Lynn J. Dixon um, and the rest of the guys. But um, uh, yeah. who's the freshman? Well, the defensive line. There's going to be a restructuring of the defensive line. And Well, hold on a second. You have to help me answer the question. The running back. Oh, yeah, DeMarcus Bowman. DeMarcus Bowman, he's looking really good. Yeah, his, all right, so his, I, I, I do watch film, not as much as I used to, because, uh, like, I think that I have more important things to do. I don't know if that's true. But uh, I, I watched his film uh, not too long ago, and he he reminds me of Dalvin Cook. That's that's the comp I'm giving. We'll, we'll see if, I, I really, and I think he was the Florida High School Player of the Year, so he is, Davon Cook was unbelievable at Florida State. I think he has that upside. He's so fast and his his uh, he's strong. Even though he's a he's not quite like Etienne in build, he's a little bit smaller. But I think he. I mean, I think he can have a, a an instant impact, even if he's not a a, a blocker early on. Etienne's down eleven pounds from last year, so getting close. Um, yeah. But yeah, let's talk about the defensive line. Really, that was a, a weak spot for the Tigers last year. Um, you know, causing Venables to go to the 3-4 the defense. This year, we expect to go back to a 4-3, and even with Xavier Thomas going out, tons of talent across this defensive line. Yeah, and, and people forget about Tyler Davis. He had, yeah. like, he was the one guy that was every game, he was, uh, he, he was just like a Christian Wilkins, you know, and that was his freshman year. As a true freshman, he made such an impact. So you get him back, you throw Brian Bercy in there, uh, the number one overall player, or at least a top five consensus overall player, Miles Murphy at defensive end, who I think got the bulk of like the rave reviews out of the spring, even more so than Bercy. I think Bercy was hurt, but Miles Murphy at defensive end, just like it, out the box ready. Like these guys, I mean, throw the, layer them in with the guys, again, like Tyler Davis, um, Justin Foster, uh, Jordan Williams that are already there. I mean, I think, I think you have something and, and I know we're losing XT for the season, but you already have, uh, you already have other guys in place and I'm going to, I'm going to blank on names. So KJ Henry, and he's a guy that they're saying is looking really good this year, putting a lot of, a lot of muscle 
and good weight. And they're excited about the season that, that he's going to have. Um, and then don't forget about Darnell Jeffries. You know, he had, he had some issues where he had trouble keeping on weight, some health issues. And uh, they're saying he was looking better than ever this year. I think he's back up close to, to his ideal playing weight, about 300. And um, he's got athleticism. He's got a lot of talent. So it'll be interesting to see him back on the field. But I guess the point being is that the cupboard is not nearly as bare as it was last year. Right. More depth and, and more high end talent. So like you said, you can move away from that three, four and going more to the four, three. And, and frankly, Isaiah Simmons allowed you to do a lot of the, the crazy things. And, and it's such a, I mean, God, what a, what a treasure he was, man. What a season. I mean, he had two, two good seasons, but one that was just otherworldly. Um, so we're going to miss him and you're not going to find a replacement for him, but you know, Mike, Mike Jones jr. It'll be interesting to see he'll, he'll be in there. Uh, the other specter, will get his shot, um, though, I, though they might move uh, him in, inside to, to Will or, or, or Mike, but they'll, they'll do it by committee, I, I think, this year at the, at the Sam spot um, the, where Isaiah vacated. Because I don't, I don't think, I think you have to, I think you have to do like the platoon, right? Like they did in previous years. Yeah, it's, well, it's interesting on the depth chart, they've got two true freshmen behind them um, at that position. And well, there's a lot of freshman linebackers, um, to be honest with you. But you've got Skowski. Um, it'll be a force to be reckoned with this year. And then you've got, you know, the, the, the regular guys, Venables, Levante uh, Bentley played some last year. Keith McGuire is a guy who was injured last year, and they were really high on him. Um, uh, but he wasn't able to play much this season. So good to have him back this year. We're really going to miss that Isaiah Simmons. Like, he was just a different animal, although I think he meant more to this team last year as much – to this team last year as he did because of our weaknesses on the defensive line. Right. He covered up, he made what was a, a pretty def, um, deficient defense. He covered up all of that or a lot of that. And yeah, we're going to miss him. But uh, I think Jalen Phillips is the other guy. Like, I think they're going to do more. Maybe they put yeah. Mario Goodrich and, and go to that more nickel look where you get more speed and, and coverage ability. And then if you do want to go with the safety, it's, uh, that's, you know, at least theoretically more versatile. It might be Jalen Phillips. Well, anybody else you're particularly looking forward to? Um, you know, we'll, we'll get into the breakdown of the offensive defense here as we get closer to the season. Um, we, obvious, we honestly have not been that organized um, with, with all the uncertainty. So, again, you're lucky to remember some of these names. Um, anybody else, Cody, how about this? Can you name the starting long snapper? I, I couldn't, I can't tell you who it was the last five seasons. I couldn't tell you one long snapper over the last five seasons. Can and you? That's, that's the point. You know, they're doing a great job if you don't know their name. Uh, that, yeah, that's a good point. Attaboy Jack Maddox. Mm. Tyler Brown. Well stood. <laughs> um, yeah. So starting to get excited, I guess, is, is what we would say again very cautious in our enthusiasm and expectations still rather pessimistic about a full season, um, you know, getting played out, but we'll see what happens. If, if anything, and we know that this whole experience has not been very predictable. Um, so hopefully it gets better and we see a full football season. I agree. I, I still not you, hopeful, but what uh, were you just thinking about? Um, seemed like you were trying to count. No, I was. I was thinking about our backup quarterbacks. 
because I there is enough freshman talent. Like even though it's kind of like a blowout at Wake in a tr- in a typical season, I think I think I think it'll be an interesting season if we can play it. I think there's there's enough talent, young talent that'll be fun to watch. Yeah, and again, I think if Trevor goes down, Pumachon is going to be more than capable in the ACC. Yeah, I don't I don't know. I, I want to see it first from him. I think he's got the tools. I don't know if he's yeah ready to apply them yet. And DJ definitely needs to get some reps. Not sure that he's ready to come in and, and take over. Um, that is not the expectation, but you know, it'll be fun to see them. You know, after uh, Lawrence and Bryce last year, mm-hmm. it was Ben Batson and somebody else. <laughs> <laughs> Who else was there last year? That was it. Yeah, uh, Trevor Lawrence ran everyone else off the year before. Now Chase Bryce is gone. I miss Chase. I'm gonna miss Chase so much. I'll be. I'm gonna be following Duke football closely this year and probably tuning into a lot of their games. You know, that's one thing that could make the ACC more exciting is if we just more often allow our transfers or encourage our transfers to go to other ACC teams. Yeah, I mean it's worked out in some places and not so much in others. But uh, but I think Chase Bryce will. I think he'll be good for Duke, especially with Cutcliffe. Yeah, with Cutcliffe, I, I, that's what I'm thinking. Yeah. Uh, really exciting to see him really get free reign of an offense and and shine, man. He's uh, he did incredible things for Clemson. He was uh, just such an incredible player and teammate um, and a great representative of the Tigers. So I know that we're all wishing him the best of luck. Yeah. Um, okay, so let's wrap it up there. Um, you know, we're talking football at least, and I guess that's the most that we can ask for right now. Um, moving forward, we are going to try to get back into a regular rhythm. Um, we'll talk about more about fall camp here in the coming weeks and eventually get into some uh, defensive and offensive position group breakdowns and previews. And Cody's getting married, so we'll see if we do a season preview. Um, that might get in the way of it. Cody, are you... You're not honeymooning right afterwards, are you? Because there's nowhere to go. Uh, we're going to, to Kiowa Island. And Kiowa Island. Yeah, the fancy resort. I'm really excited about it. But are you going uh, for the yeah. full week? Um, no, just a few days. I guess that's called a mini moon. But like yeah. a honeymoon's off the table because you can't travel anywhere. So yeah, gonna... do that when you get the, the best bang for your buck and actually go somewhere good. So good. I'll expect yeah. you back for the uh, um, at the boardroom. Sure. Wake Forest game. I, mean, I, I did want to say, Ben, that, um, well, the lady listeners will, will probably be disappointed to find that I'm off, I'm off the market. They'll probably also be surprised. Like, how did this guy get a girl to marry him? I haven't listened to him for two years. I don't, I don't know. Well, there was a, a, a lady Clemson tiger that came up to me, uh, one of your friends, uh, at, at, at a winery not too long ago. And she said, Oh, it's so good to meet you in person. She's like, you're the one that's more uh, rational and logical and Ben's more of like the Homer. I'm like, Oh my God. You, Who you said that? <laughs> I can't remember her name, but it's one of your friends. I was like, I just, I wanted to hug her if it wasn't for COVID. I would be like, you're yeah. Thank you so much for saying that. Well, that's one of our two female listeners. Um, the other being your mom. So. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, mom, I'm off the market. So you're right. Um, no, I don't think they are disappointed. Well, anyways, man, um, Cool. Well, we got football. We got your wedding. So at least there's uh, something to talk about and something going on. We'll be back here over the coming weeks, like I mentioned, with uh, some more uh, some more chatter here, maybe starting going week by week. You know, Tully's trying to set up uh, some things with the guys from uh, Shaking the Southland to do some uh, pods and maybe you can get Quack and Tiger, Tiger back on to talk about a little bit of the recruiting that's been going on lately. Uh, 
bumps him back at it again uh, near the top of the ranking. So, yeah, football, man. Glad to at least have the uh, conversation about it back. Um, and, again, we hope things keep getting better for everybody and we're able to have a full season. So we'll be back at you soon. And until then, and as always, go Tigers. Go Tigers.